When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Oh, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you.
Well, there's a famous word I like to use when it concerns you, Janet Lee, and it's wow. <laughs> you do such an awesome job on that organ, and I love it. And hello, everybody. Well, uh, we're coming to the end of a year here before too long, and we're getting really close to that uh, famous time called Christmas. And um, as strange as it may seem, this teaching, which is about the Exodus Escape Part 8, actually is about Christmas. And it's about it in a most profound and beautiful way. And you need to listen to this whole thing. And if for some reason you, uh, have, uh, you missed the first part, you need to go back and listen to it because there is a story here that is to unfold that is absolutely nothing less than remarkable. Well, let's look at it this way. Let's start with it this way. Let's start with this song that we were singing and, and what, what this escape of Exodus that we're calling uh, Exodus Escape uh, 5. No, pardon me, Exodus Escape 8. Wow, we've moved up the rung. Okay, now, this is about a mystery of the Passover. And contained in the words, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And I will cause the plague of Egypt to pass over you. That is in Exodus 12, 13. So contained in the whole concept of the Passover is this story. When I see the blood... I will pass over you. Now, people have supposed that Yahweh or Yahweh or his angels are going to be going from post, lintel post to lintel post over all of, of Israel, all of their houses, their tents, their living quarters, and checking each and every house to see if the blood is on the lintel post. And, of course, if it were in the scientific world of today, they would want to be having a forensic test to test the DNA to see for sure that the blood being used was that of a lamb and not that of a stray cat or a, or a dog that had just died, uh, just something to get by with it. They would want to be ch checking that. But then when you are dealing with the, the Holy One called Yahweh or Yahweh-el, um, he has an intelligence that is able to discern that without having to use any special kind of forensics. And so people think, as I started to say, that what this is about, just to assure that people have, have kept this word, have kept the commandment, and they have, they have put the blood on the post. But you know, there's a whole lot more to it than that. That is a part of it. But that is only a fraction of it. There's another gigantic, colossal, deep, 
glorious part that is nothing less than sheer revelation. And what that part is, is what it really means when the scripture says, when I see the blood. Now, this idea about seeing the blood is um, more expansive than one would think. In Hebrews uh, 7200, the word see can be to consider, to know, to realize, to perceive, to discern, um, to have a vision, uh, to foresee. There's a whole lot that the word see can mean. And it could even mean more as you break down those other words in the application of it than would, would even imagine uh, to be uh, concerned and involved there. But believe me, it is very involved. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, what is meant in that exciting term, when I see the blood? Well, it's just absolutely wonderful because the rest of that scripture in Exodus 13, or pardon me, Exodus uh, verse 13 and Exodus chapter 12. So 12, 13 says, when I see the blood, I will cause the plague of Egypt to pass over you. In another scripture, uh, it, it talks about that when he sees the blood, that he will cause the destroyer to turn away and to not put any destruction upon anyone that has the blood. The destroyer, this force of darkness, will be stopped all because of the blood of a lamb. Now, a lamb is just a little animal. Not necessarily a sacred animal, but anything can be made sacred because you even have holy, holy cows. H-O-L-Y, holy cows. So, anything that's dedicated, anything that's sacrificed, can be made to come under what is called holiness. But there's a lot more to it, and we're going to get into it. I will cause the plague of Egypt. Let's get this word Egypt down because it represents a time set. It represents an incredible thing that happened with a father and his 12 sons, and how that one of the sons, whose name was Joseph, had a dream. And he dreamed about stars and planets and the moon. And he dreamed that they were people, and they were bowing down to him. And he dreamed that he had been set over them. Well, you should know the story by now. How that his brothers just despised him 
because he was favored by his father and because of his spiritual side and his dreams and because of the many-colored robe that he wore that was given to him by his father. Now the father is involved in this because the father ministry, the concept of the father is a big thing throughout the entire whole Bible. And Jesus said, when you pray, don't, don't pray to me. There will, there will be times that you will ask things in my name. But when you pray, pray to my Father which art in heaven. And say to him, my Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is always conveyed this thing of what is on earth and what is on in heaven of there being a connection. So Jesus taught whatever is bound on earth can be bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth can be loosed in heaven. We've got the Father. We've got the Son. We've got Egypt because Joseph ended up in Egypt and there his dream about the stars being people and bowing down to him came to pass in one sense of the word, in the literal sense on the fleshly human side. That was only part of the story because there was the stars that represent another story. And this involved Egypt. So he says, when I see the blood, I will cause the plague of Egypt to pass over you. This, ladies and gentlemen, was an Alpha Omega moment. Because in Revelation 13.8 it says, And all who dwell upon the earth shall worship the beast, whose names are not written in the book of life. Now, we have in Exodus this revelation about the destroyer, this force, this power, this enemy that is very powerful and has the ability to destroy. And so it takes an equal kind of force that has capability of meeting that force and standing before that force and saying, you are going no further. Turn back. So, what this is really about is about the same thing that the Bible taught in the book of, e of Ephesians. When in Ephesians, it tells us that there are two forces. And it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And this is Ephesians 6, 
verse 12. But against the principalities, the powers, and against the rulers of darkness. Now here we have the mention of blood. And we have the mention of the blood that has something to do with, with flesh. And we can see that sometimes flesh and blood gets into the subject that talks about principalities that are rulers, plural, one being a ruler of darkness, one being a ruler of light. And that this flesh and blood has something to do with an interest to those forces of light and darkness. And that's part of the story that we're into today. And we've got Egypt. Well, let me read the rest of that scripture that I read to you. Revelations 13.8 And all who dwell upon the earth shall worship the beast whose names are not written in the book of life. Now I want you to get that in your brain. I want you to get that in your memory. Book of life. If your name's not written in the book of life, you're in trouble. You're susceptible to the destroyer. You're susceptible to the beast. It's equal to being susceptible in the sense of not having any blood on the doorpost, lintel. It's equal to that. And it says, And all who dwell upon the earth shall worship the beast whose names are not written in the book of life. Now get, keep that in mind. Of the Lamb, slain from the foundations of the world. Now, we've got something similar to the Passover thing. Here's a, here's a lamb that was slain and his blood put on the post on the lintel. But in the Alpha Omega that happened at the same time, we have another event that parallels with it in a gigantic past that is so entangled with it because it so belongs to it that you can't really separate them. So the blood of that lamb that was slain from the foundations of the world is entangled, is connected to the blood of the lamb that is symbolically being represented on the door lintel. Now interestingly, when we look up the word foundation of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, this gives us in Strong's Dictionary Concordance, number G2602, which is from G, meaning Greek, 2598, so that the word foundation is connected to the Greek word kabalo, which means to cast down. So now when we read of this connection about the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, it is going all the way back to the scripture in Revelations that says, and there was war in heaven. 
and it's involved with the casting down. Now someone will say, yeah, but Jesus wasn't cast down. Yes, he was. Because Jesus said, as much as you have done this unto one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. I take it personally because the Bible teaches there is one body and one spirit. And we who are born from above belong to that one body and one spirit. So when any of those that are part of that one body and one spirit are cast down, then that is equal to casting down Jesus Christ because that is his body and his spirit also. And of course, that's what the Mary's Supper of the Lamb is all about. A whole group of many, 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 many people could be up to a trillion people that are called the bride. And they're in one body. And that one body representing one spirit and the one body being the bride that is the bride of the Lamb, who is the bridegroom. And now this goes all the way back, and it's connected with Egypt. Because a parallel event has happened in Egypt that happened way back before the foundations of the world. And is connected to the lamb slain from the foundations of the world and it's about the whole thing described in in Genesis uh, pardon me in Revelations 12 and it talks about two different kinds of fall one fall is about the ophidims the wheels described in Ezekiel uh, chapter 1 and chapter 10 it describes the them called stars being cast down now Joseph had the revelation of the stars and that they were people, and he went to Egypt. And so that revelation went to Egypt. And the revelation about the lamb went to Egypt. And the revelation about the blood went to Egypt. And the revelation about the people that needed to be, that needed to be born again went to Egypt. And it's so important and awesome getting into this revelation of the Kabbalah, which is a story that the certain group of, of Hebrew people took in a deeper sense when they realized there was something in the scriptures a whole lot more than was just on the surface. And they must have borrowed from words like Kala. Balo, which actually means to be cast down. The stars were cast down. The one-third of the angels, the stars, were cast down by the dragon tail. What did you know? That the scripture tells us 
in Revelations 12, 11, that the only way that we're going to be able to overcome the dragon, there's only one way. There's not two keys. There's not three or four to this. There's not a half a dozen ways. There's only one way that's ever been given to be able to defeat the dragon whose tail drew one-third of the stars and cast them down here where we're at right now. And it tells about it in Revelations 12, 11. The saints overcame the, the great dragon by the blood of the Lamb. So the whole promise is given that how we are going to overcome the dragon, this description of the two forces, the force of light, the force of darkness, that that is the real war. The real war is not the flesh and blood. That only has a symbolism. It is like that which is bound on earth that is also then bound in heaven and has to be set free on earth so it can be free in heaven. The main purpose, the main gain, the main instruction is to get yourself back in the born from above condition. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Two kinds of being born again. You must be born of the water, which is the woman who carries the water that the baby is born in. That has to happen. You must do that. And that's part of the story of the book of life, which we'll get into. You have to be involved with this book of life. If your name is not written down in the Lamb's book of life, you won't make it into the kingdom. And we're going to talk about that. So now we've got this whole revelation that is so very, very important. The saints, Revelations 12, 11, they are going to overcome the dragon by the blood of the Lamb. And that's how we're going to do it. And the Bible says there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby a person may be saved other than the name of Jesus Christ. And, of course, that name means more than just Yahshua. That name means who that person is being represented by that introductory name. That's what it's really about. And that's what the blood is really about. Because the Bible says in the, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible says that the blood is the life. That's Deuteronomy 15, 23. The blood is the life of the body. And it also says that... Um, let me, let me bring these scriptures in a little different focus here. First, let's make it Deuteronomy 12, 23, instead of 15, 23. The blood is the life. And that goes along with Leviticus 17, 11. And then it does involve Deuteronomy 15, 23, because it says you're not to eat the blood. You're not to treat it like an animal thing and eat it. 
And so we know that in Colossians 1.14, it says redemption comes through the blood. In Colossians 1.20, it says reconciliation of all things on earth and all things in heaven come through the blood. When I see the blood, what are we talking here? God wants you to be able to see the blood before this teaching is over today. That's how you're going to get into the understanding of, of the Bible. That's how you're going to get into the understanding of the Holy Manifest Revelation. Revelations 5.9 says, And the Lord opened the book and the seals. The Lord who redeemed us by his blood. Revelations 5.9. The power to be able to open the book is part of the revelation of being able to see the blood. You have to see the blood, what the story is about. Because when you see the blood, you get into the Alpha and the Omega becoming one. You get into awesome, beautiful revelations. John, who was the Baptist that baptized people, when Jesus came to his baptism, John lifted up his head and he looked and he saw Jesus coming. His disciples, John's disciples, were around about him, and those that he were baptizing were around about him. John lifting up his, his eyes and raising up the tone of his voice, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Was John spiritual? Of course he was. John had seen the blood. When I see the blood, that, that, that song could have been sung and answered by John. When I see the blood, ah, yes. God is dealing with the people today on this thing about when I see the blood. That is so absolutely important. The Bible depicts Jesus Christ clothed with a vesture. Revelations 19.13. And it's been dipped in blood. Again, in Revelations 12.11, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Now here's a really neat one. This talks in the Bible about two witnesses. And these are Holy Spirit witnesses. And they represent two entities, but these two entities represent a ministry. And one of the powers that they are going to be able to do, one of the things they are going to be able to achieve, is to be able to turn water into blood. Well, the 17th chapter of Revelations and the 15th verse says that waters represent nations, people, tongues, kindred, and people. So these witnesses had a ministry that was going to be able to reveal to people, show people, revelate to people the ministry of, of this Exodus revelation, when I see the blood. This important revelation of when I see the blood 
is entailed in that. And the people that are going to be in the ministry of God and be true witnesses of God, they're going to be able to turn the water into the blood. They're going to be able to take people that have been in darkness, that take people that have been lost, that have been confused, and turn them from that confusion and that darkness and that errancy and turn them into people that see the blood and see the story of the blood, you will never find a better, a better substance for discovering what the DNA of someone is than the blood. And when you get into the blood and you find out that it's the blood of the lamb, and that the lamb that is being talked about and represented here is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it goes back from before the foundations of this world. And it has to do with the catabolo, the fall that happened. The fall of the stars. And, the, and then in the second part of Revelations 12, it talks about and that the war ended and Michael the archangel defeated Lucifer, Satan, and Lucifer and his angels were cast out down to earth. So you have the two different groups that fall down to earth. The stars group and the angelic group that was involved with Lucifer, Satan. So it's important. Now, Let's go to Genesis, and let's look at Genesis chapter, chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 says this, this is the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that God created man. Now, does that say in the, God, in the day that God created a man? No. In the same day that this man Adam was created, all of the rest of the people that were ever going to live were also created. And the Bible explains it like this. Here's how the Bible explains it. These are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth. There was not a man to till the ground. But the plants and all those things were involved with the man thing. So this all was this incorporation of these things that were created in a virtual reality at the same instant that Adam was created. And that is all explained in the book of Romans when it says that we were predestinated and that the Lord knew us. He knew us before we ever even came to this earth. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is not to be taken lightly. This is a moment of great and awesome opening. The opening of the book. To understand the book in a way that people have not understood it before. So then, what does it mean when it says? What does it mean when it says the book of the generations of Adam? Well, part of that book was Eve, the mother of all living. And she is described in Genesis 2, verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woe man because she was taken out of man. Now we see the connection of all people to each other, all people belonging to each other, all people being described in this story that is called the book of the generations of Adam. <coughs> so that in the 15th chapter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, we have this awesome, important revelation about the Adams. There is what is called the first Adam and what is called the last Adam. So in 1 Corinthians 15.45, the first Adam was a living soul, and the last Adam a quickening spirit. In 1 Corinthians 15.22, it says, For in Adam all die. All die. That means every human being that's ever going to be born is involved. Because these are, these are not the primitives that did not have souls. We're not talking about about these creatures that are uh, human-like uh, uh, creatures, had human-like bodies who did not have spirit souls. They had body souls, but they didn't have spirit souls. We're talking about Adam, who was the first man with a spirit soul, and his offspring. And we're not talking about these other kind of pre-Adamic people. And it's them that the scripture refers to in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For in Adam all die, and in Christ all are made alive. Now when you get into St. Luke 3, 23, you start reading, and it, it, in Luke 3, uh, 38, first it says, giving the, the lintage, and, and it, it says that saith, you know, was the son of Adam. And it goes on down the genetic uh, uh, trail. And finally, it says, uh, and, the, and the son of Adam, the son of God. Now, we've got the two Adams. The Adam that was the first Adam, who then also has a place in God, as being called the Son of God, the last Adam. And there's a revelation there that's all part of this when I see the blood. 
And that's why it's so important to come into this thing here called the book of the generations of Adam. Because believe it or not, brothers and sisters, this is the book of life. And if your name doesn't get written in this book of life, you don't make it into the kingdom of heaven. Now, people think that if they're part of the generations of Adam, that there's got to be some awesome, incredible thing that they did that shows up in the Scripture. So when they read about, you know, what Adam did, what Seth did, and, and, uh, and, and what Enoch did, and all of the offspring of Adam, and, and Methuselah, and, and uh, these uh, Lamech uh, having a son called Noah. But the fact of the matter is, is as you really read the long list of the genetics and the offspring of the book of the generations of Adam, you come across all kinds of people. Like in the 18th verse of the 5th chapter, and Jared lived 160 and 2 years, and he begat Enoch. It doesn't say about anything else that he did. It doesn't tell about anything great. It doesn't tell about any awesome work of accomplishment. The only thing he has to his benefit is that he sired a fellow that, have, that had the name Enoch. He was a conduit. And down to over 162 years of living, his product was Enoch. He was a conduit. A conduit. So when the Bible says be fruitful and multiply, and the Bible even says that that's how Eve, who is the mother of us all, is going to be saved, is through having these children. And Jesus said, occupy till I come. Make a living for these children. Because these bodies are necessary to be provided so that the fallen angels, the Ophanim, can have bodies to come into. Because you must be born again both of the water, the flesh birth, and you must be born again of the spirit born from above. They're both absolutely necessary. They're both essential. And to do that, you've got to be part of this revelation of the book of the generations of Adam because all die in Adam, and all are made alive in, in Adam, the last Adam. So both to be born and to be reborn are all conducted within the frameworks of those Adams, and not outside of it. Anything outside of it is not accepted, because it is not in the book of life, which is the book of the generations of Adam. Janet at the organ.
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Janet Lee. Wow. 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 <laughs> All right. Okay, so let's get into this more. This is really so important. The book of life. Talks about the book of life in Revelation 17:8. And I read you the one scripture about, you know, you've got to have your name in the book of life. That's important. Now, in Genesis 4:10, it talks about the voice of your brother's blood cries out to the Lord. What? Blood cries out to the Lord? Well, the blood represents the life. There, there, there is something about the blood when it's being revealed in a deep way in the Bible that is deeper than a person can ever know. And it's something uh, transcending of this. That the blood that represents the life, that represents the life of that person, which in this case was Abel that had been slain by his brother, Cain, that in the other spirit world, he was crying out. Now I have taught that what he was crying out for was God's mercy on his brother, Cain, asking God not to take the Holy Spirit away, not to destroy him, that he was crying out for that because Abel had an understanding of the blood and the power in the blood. When I see the blood and the blood cried out and God heard it, God heard this man Abel where he was in this transported into the spirit world, God heard him. <laughs> and, and, and God did take knowledge of that prayer and protected Cain regardless of what he had done and put a mark on him so that other people could not go out and kill him later uh, in uh, future years of life. And so this blood goes on. It has a, it, you know, it has a Passover into the spirit life. So what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What you bind on earth is bound in heaven. It passes on into the spirit life. And the blood cries out and God hears it even from the spirit world. And so as we begin to see this, and we begin to get the revelation of this. It magnifies one magnification upon another. Praise be the name of the living God. Now, here is how I want to subhead this next part. This was something that Paul said, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of sin and death? O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of sin and death? That 
It's in Romans 7, 24. That is the question of the hour. That is the question of the moment. That is the magnitude that lives within the lattice of the Alpha and the Omega. It is so very, very important that a person comes into the understanding of this teaching that I'm giving you today. It is so important. Now, let's look at, at Romans and let's, uh, let's, let's read Romans 11.25. And here's what Romans 11.25 says. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits and blindness. In part, it's happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Because it is written, he says, all Israel shall be saved because there shall come out of Zion the deliverer who shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Now there are provisions that have been made by Jesus Christ for the salvation of people so that all they have to do is ask and they'll receive, knock and the door will be open. And this question is a looming question. Who will deliver me from this body of sin and death. You know, there is hope unto hope, faith unto faith, glory unto glory. Paul describes how that Abraham was really into that. And uh, in Romans 4, contained within verses 17 through 22, he tells the story how that Abraham, though he was almost a hundred years old, considered himself not dead and considered that his wife, being very, very old, way, way past the normal bearing of children, that neither was she too old to have babies. There is a state of the mind that God's people can be brought to, that is recognized by God. Who will deliver me? Who will deliver me from this wretched person, from this wretched body of sin and death? Well, that blood on the lintel post is the answer. That will deliver you. That will deliver you out of Egypt, out of spiritual Egypt, which the Bible connects the witnesses to, of how that when they are lying 
assassinated by the forces of darkness. That it will happen, and this is in Revelations 11.8, in the places that are called Sodom and Egypt. And these are spiritually called that. So that sometimes a great and well-known nation or city has a physical name that has relativity to its physical aspect of being. But there's another side to what it represents that can only be conveyed by understanding spiritual things. So like in Daniel, when it talked about there being forces and how that there was the the prince of Persia that would come and fight against the angels of God, that it represented a nation. There, there, are, there are spirits that represent different nations and different cities because they are working on the end means of, of bringing about a differentiation from those people learning the truth and learning the secret of the blood and the story of the blood. And what it means when it says, when I see the blood. And what it means when it asks the question, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin and death? And then we have, Revelations 11, 8, these places that are called Sodom and Egypt that spiritually also represent where the, our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. And Jesus Christ was crucified at Golgotha, at Calvary, Calvary rather. And that represented a place just sort of outside the city of Jerusalem. And now all of a sudden, we've also got that particular place <coughs> where Jesus was crucified being represented as it having happened in Egypt. But then you could take it on back to it also happened before the foundations of the earth when the stars were cast out from the heavens, which were the, the Ophanims, that were the angels that belonged, were the hosts that belonged to Yahweh. And as much as you have done it unto to any of these, the least of them, of mine, you have done it to me. And it goes all the way back. And so then, you've got this important thing about the book of life. And you go through and you read the genealogies in, in, in Chronicles and Kings. And, and you read about these people that lived a lot of years. It don't seem like they did anything. But somehow they're all a part of the lineage. And that lineage may lead down to finally... A, years and years and generations later to a person called David. Or that may years and years lead down to the lineage of some important prophet like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jeremiah or Haggai. And you have been a conduit. You've been part of the book of the generations of Adam. And you've been a conduit because you don't know what's coming. Because there's 
a thousand generations that the Bible says that we have left. And, and there's going to be offspring of ours that will have other offspring. And generations later, they may give birth to one of the most outstanding persons that has ever lived at that time on the earth. And people say, you know, this person lived a hundred years and he just really it doesn't say anything, but he gave birth to this certain person. But then that person gave birth to someone else. That continuity, that channel. And finally, after birth and births and births and births, in Isaiah 11.1 it says, and a stem will come forth from the line of Jesh. And he will be born in a place called Bethlehem. A stem. On past David. Generations and generations and generations and generations. And angels out there searching and looking for a mother. Looking for a mother who would be proper, who would be right to birth the Son of God. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. You go back, you, you follow this history that goes all of the way back to Adam. The, the generations of Adam is part of the book of, of life. And you're written in that book of life. All you have to do is get into the recognition and the acceptance and the acknowledgement that that book of life go, is about the blood of Adam, of which the Bible says all people die in Adam. And it's about the blood of the last Adam, who's called the Son of God, who's Jesus Christ, and all people are made alive in that blood. So both death and life are in that blood, and that is all part of the blood of the Lamb, which is the blood on the lintel, which is the blood that was part of, that, of the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world, which is part of the whole story of Christmas. For that child that was born called Jesus Christ in Bethlehem was from a line of descent. Yes, Jesus could have just appeared as like an angel. That was not the plan of salvation. That was not the salvage method. He was to be born as a child because you are to be of the nature of having had a child experience of life and have grown up into those different age levels of life. And Jesus grew up into those different age levels of life. And you've had experiences where family has turned against you, sometimes very close family. The Bible says that the brothers of Jesus turned against him and basically in one place they say, you know, he, he, he's crazy. He's my brother, but he's crazy. These things he's doing, these things he's 
teaching these things he's claiming. He's crazy. It was only after his blood on the cross was given that those brothers all of a sudden were able to understand the meaning of when it says, when I see the blood. When they saw the blood of Jesus and what it meant, their minds began to race back in time to their little brother who was just a child Jesus, who at 12 years old went and ministered and asked questions to the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees at the temple. To the very young Jesus that went to Cana to the wedding and turned the water into wine. The thing of the water. The witnesses that turned blood into into water. Turned water into blood. It's both ways. It's Alpha and Omega. Jesus turned the water into wine. They turned they turned the water into blood. It's the same story. It's the same meaning. Just metaphorically and symbolically represented on 30, 60, 100-fold levels. And there was the answer. There was the answer, the living answer that Paul had asked for. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of sin and death? And the answer was written in a song. When you see the blood, when you see the blood, when you see the blood, it will pass, it will pass over you. There are so many things that need to pass over you. Sickness and disease ravish this earth, this world. Anger and confusion, hurts, are everywhere. Genetic problems are everywhere. Pollution problems are everywhere. People killing people, that's everywhere. And it needs to pass from you. And the psalmist put it this way. There are these terrible things that will happen. These arrows of death. On both sides of me they will come. They will threaten. They will fall. They will shoot toward me. But they will not kill me or destroy me. For his rod and his staff will comfort me. 
when I see the blood. You see the blood. Here's what you are seeing. You are hearing the sermon that Jesus preached that almost all of the disciples could not take. Hundreds of disciples turned away. They could not take that story or accept it. Only his 12 disciples stayed with him, and that barely. When Jesus preached, and when he said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus taught. And people said, oh, that's got to be crazy. That's ridiculous. He says, unless we eat his blood and eat his flesh, we can't be saved. When Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, it will be done. People never understood what that meant. A lot of people turned away from believing when it says, if you say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, it will be done. And then people go out there and say, okay, in the name of Jesus, cause that mountain to be cast in the sea and nothing happens. And they don't understand that that's an incredible great revelation. Because what it is saying when there are things that are obstacles, that are like mountains that come up before you, that just seem absolutely impossible to resolve, you can say to that mountain, be removed, and that those problems will then be, will then be cast into your understanding, the, the water, the people, the sea. It will come into you, and you will begin to get the answers and the knowledge and the foresight, and the revelation. And that mountain that was blocking everything will dissolve because you will have the answers to it because they will be cast into you who are the waters. And the Bible says there is a river. And Jesus said, go and be baptized in it. It all goes together. 1 Corinthians 11.27 talks about a communion. This is a practice of breaking the bread because Jesus said to do this. He said, this bread is my body. This, this drink is my blood. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. You're to remember this. You're not to forget this. You're to understand what it means when it says, when I see the blood. And the Bible talks about using figurative things to represent these real things or those real things. And Paul teaches and he says, if you take this communion and you need to read it. I don't have time to read it today, but 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven 27 through 30. 
and 11.25 also. It says that there are people, and when they take the communion unworthily, he said this is one of the main reasons you have people that are sick among you and that don't recover from their sickness and even die because they take the communion being unworthy. And what that really means, they take the communion, the blood, and the body of Christ symbolically not understanding the message, not understanding the real truth about what it means when it says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. They don't get it. They think it's something else. And it said people are still sick. They're still dying. They don't know how to handle it like Abraham did when he was almost 100 years old and considered himself not dead. They don't know how to think like that. Some of that kind of grit has been lost. Jesus said, when you do this, as often as you do it, think of me. Think of me. When I was a baby just born at Bethlehem and how that the angels came. Think of me when the shepherds in the fields were singing. Think of me when the wise men came and brought gifts. Think of me when the star came and led the wise men, and when the star shone over above where I was born and where I would be, so that all things that happened way back happened again now. The Bible says that which is, is now is that which has been, and God requires that which is past. God requires the same war that's going on with the forces dark to be happening right now. And there is only one way that we can defeat the dragon whose tail drew one-third of the stars, which is us, and cast us to earth. There is only one way, one method that's ever been given, and it is by the blood. The Bible says by the blood that's, that the dragon is defeated. And so the message is when you see the blood and you come into the definition of what that really means. Exodus 12, 13, Strong's Concordance, Hebrews 7,200. When you see the blood, when you see, when you realize what that means, when you consider what that means, when you know what that means, when you have been shown by the Spirit what that means, when you have perceived and discerned and you begin to think and you have a seer's vision and you're able to foresee the future, those are all of the words that the word, Hebrew word means that was translated as see. When I see, it's all of those things I just said. That's the meaning of all of those. 
That's what see means. When I see, I see the blood. And who was it that said that? Well, it was the Tetragrammaton. The four letters that represent a name that they don't know how to pronounce anymore. That they have lost the meaning of it. But the promise from that, that when I, that person, see the blood. And the Bible says in Mark, the 16th chapter, and Jesus appeared in many different forms. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, he was transliterated. When I see the blood. The Bible says in the 18th chapter of Matthew, your guardian angels will be in contact with you and will be watching over you. All the more so when you see the blood because you must be born again from above. You have already accomplished the physical birth which you had to have. Now you have to have the spiritual birth. You have to see the blood. You have to see and understand the meaning that when you really, really, really see the blood that, we, that there is one spirit and one body and we are a part of that part which is a part of our Lord and Savior. So when you pray, here is how you pray, Jesus said. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My Father, and you see the Holy Seed traveling down through the history of time. From generations to generations, forces of darkness went out and tried to destroy the people of God that had in them the, the rudiments of that, of that seed. Kill them, destroy them, wipe them off from the face of the earth. They would have to rise up Gideons to save the people that were going to be destroyed. They would have to rise up a Moses, a Joshua. Because the forces dark was out there to destroy and to plant another kind of creation that did not have the soul promise like you have. The Bible says, what would a man give in exchange for his soul? There's nothing. There's nothing that you can give. There's nothing that equates to that value. And the Bible says, why we can be saved without hardly doing anything of ourselves except just acknowledging Jesus Christ is because we, and this is scripture, have been bought with the price. Jesus paid the price for us so that we could be forgiven, so that our sins could be wiped out. And as we look back into time and we see the blood, we see this crimson tide, this scarlet thread coming down through the courses of the generations of the book of the generations of Adam, which are the <clears throat> represent the book of life. And as we begin to see that, and we begin to realize that, we're changed from the creature we are. Changed. Totally changed. So, in my presentation, I talked about the theme 
to reveal the Passover revelation and how that there was a physical animal. Exodus 12, 3. And a, the blood of the lamb. Exodus 12, 22. And how that Egypt's firstborn were all killed because they couldn't survive not having any Passover revelation of the blood. Exodus 12, 29. The destroyer took them, killed them. The voice of the blood is crying out. You think that Calvary is done, that Golgotha is finished, the place of the skull. But the place of the skull is like the vision given to Ezekiel. God said, go over to this valley, son, and I want you to describe it to me. And he went over to the valley, and he said, oh, you sure, God, this is where you wanted me to come? There's nothing here but a bunch of dead bones. God said, yes, that's the place. Now see those bones? He said, I want you to prophesy to them. I want you to breathe on them so they'll come back to life. Golgotha, the place of the skull, the place of the bones. The blood of Jesus Christ. The place not far away where in a tomb the bones of Jesus and the body of Jesus lie. They went to the angels not knowing they were angels and said the tomb is empty. What have they done with my Lord? That's the way it's been with trying to discover what the Bible means. People read the Bible and say, I don't get it. This, this revelation is just it's, it's empty. There's nothing there to really explain it to me in a way I can understand it. The tomb is empty. The angel said, that's because the Lord is not here. God is a spirit. He's not just flesh and blood, although he uses that. He's a spirit. And here is one of the most beautiful things. In Romans 5, 5. The Bible tells us, now I want you to get this. I want you to really get this. It's one of the most beautiful scriptures. In Romans 5, 5, it says, the Holy Spirit, and this is MIV, is the energy and the power that sheds love abroad in our hearts. You want to know how to really have love? You want to know how to really have love? To really have love? 
and understand what love really is, then you have to see the blood and understand it. For Jesus said, greater love has no man than he who would lay down his life for a friend. You really want to have love? The Holy Spirit will shed and spread that abroad in your heart. So that your heart from one side to the other side, from the up to the down and the down to the up, will be full of love. Love in a way that you have never loved. In a way you haven't been able to believe to love or understood how to love. The Holy Spirit will do that. And Jesus said, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. The book of life. Be careful how you handle it. Because your name has been written down before the foundations of this world. And only if you deny the Holy Spirit, which gives love abroad in our heart. Only if you totally deny everything about it and reject it and blaspheme it will you lose the privilege of your salvation. God is calling. God is dealing. God is speaking. When I see the blood, it's all the way from before the foundations of the earth, all the way through the, from the Garden of Eden, all the way across the Red Sea and across the Jordan, all of the way into Bethlehem, into the place where there was no room in the inn. All of the way where Jesus, as a child, a young man, worked with his father in the carpenter shop. And then where Jesus, still very young, set out on his ministry that would only last, as understood in the scriptures, approximately three and a half years. And he would equal that off by being roughly three days and nights in the tomb. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Then there's the spiritual side. The Lamb of God offering. John 1.29 The blood of the Lamb. Revelations 5, 6 and 9 and Revelations 13.8 And the voice of the Lamb. John 1, 1 and 8 And then there's the, the assembly of the firstborn church of God whose names are written in heaven. Hebrews 12, 23. And then there is Jesus. And that's the greatest Christmas message of all times. That's the greatest love of all times. That's the greatest hope of all times. 
And it all happens when you look into this beautiful word as it is presented by the word that became flesh, that was with God and was God. My dear friends, I ask you to take this message and understand that it is a message that God is speaking to you today, not tomorrow, not the day after, not some future time. It's a message that God is speaking to you right now. And it's so very, very important. I'm just about closed, not quite. The book of life is calling to you. Revelation 7.14 says, God will make you white by the blood. Can you imagine something as staining in its sense as blood being able to make you white as snow? Can you imagine that? That's the power of the miracle, meaning of the blood. I, I want, in these few last words, to tell you that this escape from Exodus, Exodus 8, is an escape from the deceit, from the ignorance, and from the lost word and the lost revelation that has not been shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Spirit. And that is a must in your seeking salvation and seeking the will of God for your life. And now, the Holy Spirit is giving evidence of this. Right now, I feel the Holy Spirit speaking to people that are hearing this word and are going to be hearing this word. Oh, can I ever feel that? And you are able to escape. Escape from that. Because now, you know what it means when God said... When I see the blood, I will cause the destroyer to pass from you. I will cause my Holy Spirit to pass over you and protect you and keep you from all harm. Yea, I will be with you even unto the end of the world. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Janet at the organ. <laughs>